Chapter 2 Healing the Nations The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Revelation 22, verse 2 God desires to heal the nations. This is the purpose of the King Jesus Gospel. When Jesus stooped low to live among us, he did so in order to be established as the Lord of the universe. His incarnation, taking on flesh, was the decisive moment when our world was forever changed. God becoming man was indeed the remarkable event which altered the course of human history. Jesus lived, died, was raised, and was enthroned, and all of it happened so that heaven could now come to earth in a fresh way. This new heavens and new earth, established by Christ, became a new working reality, which is why Jesus told us to pray, quote, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, end quote. Matthew 6, verse 10. This prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, is simple enough for a young child to memorize, yet powerful enough for nations to be changed. When we ask for the will and kingdom of God to become a tangible reality here on this planet, do we recognize the implications of what it is that we are saying? Do we really believe God intends to answer this prayer? Do we consider healing as part and parcel to this request? Far too many Christians repeat this prayer with rote and vigor and yet do not consider the consequences of such ideas. God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? God's will on earth as it is in heaven? Absolutely. All of heaven thrown down on all the earth. Indeed, God does desire to heal the nations, as this was his intention all along. Sin had given man and the world the only paycheck it knows, that being death. Consequently, the King Jesus gospel came to undo the damage. As we saw in the last chapter, this far-reaching problem was given an even further-reaching solution. The rule and reign of Christ over the world has the intention of redeeming and rescuing and healing the world, nations and people groups included. When Jesus sat down next to the Father after accomplishing his gospel mission, he leaned over to the Father and asked, The nations, please? Footnote 27, Psalm 2, verse 8. Quote, Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. End quote. And footnote. The Father gave them to the Son as an inheritance for his labor and work on the earth. In light of this, we need to connect this idea of healing the nations to man and his purpose. What is man? What is man? The question is entirely worth asking, albeit the question is often ignored. Humanism, as we learned in the last chapter, has its alleged answers. Man is whatever he decides. His being is what he says it is. He is self-determined, not God-determined. He is selfish, not selfless. Even so, do Christians have an answer to the question? Do you have an answer? If not, why not? If so, 
Does it include biblical categories? Does it share the presuppositions of humanism? If someone walked up to you and said, what is man? What would you say? Is he a created being made in the image of God? Or is he an evolved machine suitable for chemical experimentation? Does he exist in a particular historical context for a God-determined purpose? Or is he the product of time and chance imposed upon evolutionary matter? How we answer these questions determines how we approach health and wellness, and it will certainly determine whether or not a nation can experience the healing and blessing of the King Jesus Gospel. R.J. Rushdoony answered this question rather brilliantly in this way. Quote, God's definition of man in Jesus Christ means that man is recreated in God's image by the atoning work of Jesus Christ and is given a specific task in history. Progress is ensured and historical development opened up by means of God's defining and redemptive act. The unregenerate seek to end history. Marx's ideal order is a static, unchanging realm. And the same is true of the dream orders of anarchists and pragmatists. God's creation and recreation inaugurate history. Man is given an objective and a purpose. The world is to be subjected to man. For this goal to be realized, man must first be subject himself to God. End quote. The point that Rush Dooney makes is that the gospel saves us from sin and to the kingdom of Christ. If nations are going to receive the healing the gospel gives them, they are going to have to decide to reclaim this vision of God and God's plan for man. Man is not to try and escape the world, nor is he to try and make it into his image through coercion, domination, or the exertion of power over others. Man is not sovereign. To truly experience healing in all senses of the word, we need to know that man must first subject himself to God. It does no good to go it alone. It also does no good to entrust the world to money-hoarding bureaucrats and government-backed pharmaceutical companies. Each of us must decide to start relying on others to do our thinking and healing. We must exhibit self-control under the calling we have to serve God and each other, promoting healing and peace at every turn. What is man? Here is my answer. God's creation, not evolved, designed, there are blueprints, to extend the kingdom of Christ, not the kingdoms of men, into every realm, literally everything. Healing can happen no other way. Self-government. The most basic form of all government is self-government. Made in the image of God, man is to govern himself in obedience to Christ so that he can accomplish the task just mentioned. In view of the fact that sin is a palpable reality, God has sent us the Holy Spirit to aid in the self-governing. The Bible gives us helpful clarity on what the Spirit does in our lives. Quote, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. Galatians 5, 22-23a When we focus our activities and calling on the work of the Holy Spirit, 
We will have love and joy, peace and patience. We will exhibit gentleness with others. We will be people marked by goodness and faith in God. Meekness and self-control will rule our hearts and thus the entirety of our lives. This principle of self-government works itself out in a variety of ways, not least the personal lusts and sins we ought to put to death. Self-government means that temptation is successfully resisted. Our minds are renewed. We exhibit patience towards others. Self-control means that we don't gorge ourselves on ice cream and donuts. Self-control means self-control. Whether we're talking about food choices, medicinal choices, or personal sins, as such, we need to see the gospel as the very apparatus God has chosen to restore man back to his calling. And having the Holy Spirit inside of you is the way God has chosen to see to it that you mature spiritually and physically. In Christ, you are given a great gift, the gift of self-government. Self-government exists to reflect the self-government of God. God is not double-minded, therefore we should not be double-minded. God is not a glutton, therefore we should not be a glutton. God is the author and sustainer of life, therefore we should live in accordance to his blueprints, promoting health and vitality at every turn. The principle of self-government is commensurate to our need to rid ourselves of selfishness and pride. When we are submitted to Christ, we are self-governed. When we are submitted to tyrants, we become slaves. To be self-governed in every area of life is to be ruled by Christ and his Holy Spirit and nothing else. The Bible lays out blueprints for government in four particular areas. One self, two, family, three, church, and four, civil. Each area has its own particular calling, purpose, and jurisdiction. Without proper self-government, none of the other areas will flourish. Fathers or mothers who lack self-control will destroy the family. Men or women who lack meekness and character will bring reproach on our civil government by longing for more political power and control. Churches lacking leaders and or constituents who exhibit self-government will be deemed hypocritical as they indulge themselves in whatever suits them in the moment. Self-government, as you can see, is really the pivot on which every other area of life turns including in self-government is taking hold of your own health. The responsibility is ours. As the individual goes, so goes the family. As the individual and family goes, so goes the church. And as the church goes, so goes the nation. The implications are self-evident. The whole Christ. In the next chapter, we will look at the history of medicine here in America. But for now, I simply want to do a quick Bible study in hopes that it will set the stage for the second half of the book when we consider the fact that Christianity has only one rival worldview, humanism. We find that we need to truly know what we believe in order to combat it. I want us to have a holistic view of health and medicine. But before we develop that, we need a holistic view of the great physician. What does Jesus offer us? Why does he matter when it comes to the healing of the nations? 
These are great questions that require precise answers. In the book of Colossians, there is a Greek word that is used four times and is a word that has colossal repercussions. The word is arche, pronounced arche, and it means beginning or origin. Depending on the context, it can refer to a person that commences or begins something that has many implications which follow. In theological and political language, it speaks of someone having supremacy or priority as a ruler. Let's look at the verses in question. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they are thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Colossians 1 verse 16. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that in all things he may have the preeminence. Colossians 1 18. And you are complete in him, who is the head of all authority and power. Colossians 2 10. And having disarmed authorities and power, he made a show of them, openly triumphing over them by the cross. Colossians 2.15 The texts here illustrate the supremacy and incomparability of Christ. He is the foundation and ruler of all. Being the RK, he is the integration point of all things. Everything was created to serve Christ, including the mitochondria in your cells. Your mind was created to use dopamine and serotonin in order to think in terms of righteousness and justice. Your heart was created in order to pump blood and oxygen to the cells in the rest of your body so you would have the energy to serve your neighbor. Your feet were created in order to run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Isaiah 40 verse 31. The billions and billions of strands of information stored in your DNA are there because Christ was the firstborn from the dead. The entirety of your existence is predicated on Christ being the RK. Everything about you exists to serve the living God. Everything. Holistic healing exists because Christ is the whole, the RK the person who holds it all together. Every molecule and every atom, all of it in your body, swirling around and round each and every day, is there because Jesus put it there. Talk about fearfully and wonderfully made. We don't fully understand the science behind how our bodies work. But what we do ought to leave us speechless at the majesty of God. Healing the Nations Jesus Christ died to heal the nations. See Genesis 2 verse 3, Psalm 2 verse 8, Isaiah 19, 21 to 25, Matthew 28, 18, John 11, 51 to 52, and Revelation 22, 2. His creation suffers because of sin, but his creation does not have to suffer. When we turn to Christ through the vehicle of repentance and faith, both gifts from God, we begin a journey of healing. Theologians call this sanctification. We are holy, that is, set apart. Christ declares us not guilty, and we are free from the condemnation of sin. This wonderful King Jesus gospel, outlined in the previous chapter, is the starting part. Christ, the RK, 
is the one who sets nations on the path towards healing. He is the one who forgives sin and removes curses. He is the covenant agent who administers blessings and curses, depending on obedience and disobedience, Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 26. When men and women and institutions are faithful to Christ, the land is healed, 2 Chronicles 7.14. In other words, the nations can be healed, but only as long as they ditch the humanist paradigm and, by repentance, turn towards obedience to King Jesus. Consider the following texts. For I would restore health to you, and I will heal you of your wounds, said the Lord. Jeremiah 30 verse 17. The Lord will make pestilence cling to you until it has consumed you from the land which you are going in to possess. The Lord will strike you with a wasting disease, with a fever, with an inflammation, with an extreme heat, with the sword, with blight, and with mildew. And they shall pursue you until you perish. Deuteronomy 28 verses 21 and 22. If you are not careful to observe all the words of this law that are written in this book, so that you may fear this glorious and fearful name, the Lord your God, then the Lord will bring extraordinary plagues on you and your descendants, even great long-lasting plagues and severe and long-lasting sicknesses. Deuteronomy 28 verses 58 through 59. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless your bread and your water, and I will remove sickness from your midst. Exodus 23 verse 25. Over and over again, the Bible illustrates for us the blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. God says several times in Deuteronomy 28, Listen, if you obey me, you're going to see a lot of blessing economic productivity, and leadership among the nations will come your way. Your health will be great. You will have plenty of food. Things will go well. But the opposite is true too. If nations do not respect the covenant and trample on the blessings that God has given them, inflammation, Deuteronomy 28 verse 22, and chronic illness, Deuteronomy 28 59, will be the result. The land will not yield crops. The soil will be depleted and thus proper nutrition will be in short supply. At this point, it might seem unbelievable to you that the Bible actually talks in this manner. I get it. It's not something that's normally preached from the pulpits. Regardless, it is in the Bible, and we cannot ignore it. We should not ignore it. The fact of the matter is, God's plan for healing the nations cannot be detached from the nation's faithfulness or lack thereof. To clarify, this is not a prosperity gospel, which is a reductionistic view of faith and works and the law of God. In the prosperity gospel world, what is often called the name it and claim it theology, your level of faith might get you a new BMW or Mercedes. This is not how the gospel works, nor is it how God's covenant works. When men and women are faithful to God, demonstrating obedience by occupying their calling and doing business, Luke 19 verse 13, God works to confirm and establish that obedience in a myriad of ways. Think of it like this. The book of Proverbs says repeatedly, if you do X, then Y and Z will happen. Does it always happen this way? No. 
but usually it will because there's a level of predictability based on the wisdom of God, which tells us how things will go, generally speaking, if we accomplish acts. These proverbs are called truisms. They are general truths that generally apply because life in God's world has some level of general predictability. For example, if you eat nothing but McDonald's for every meal, every single day, we can safely conclude, based on general principles, that you're probably going to feel terrible. Obedience to God's covenant works this way in the home and in the nations. When we value self-government and seek to steward our bodies and property well, blessings fall in place. When we value the family, the least of these like children who are murdered in the womb, blessings follow. When we value justice and so on, blessings come to us. When a nation values and prioritizes self-government, family government, church government, and civil government, all in accordance to the word of God, the nation will find itself on the path to healing. Nations that need healing. From where I stand, the Western world is in serious trouble. These ailing nations are turning themselves over to humanism and its political counterpart, socialism. The results cannot be overstated. Cancer rates in the U.S. continue to rise. The American Cancer Society says that 1,806,590 new cases of cancer will come about in 2020. According to the Center for Disease Control, 1 in 59 children has autism, and this continues to spiral out of control with no end in sight. Each year, the United States government goes further and further into debt with unfunded liabilities and a massive defense budget that dwarfs the next seven countries combined. Abortion on demand continues unabated with more and more ways to kill your child coming to a store near you in the form of pills and other abortificants. The hot topic right now is mandatory vaccination, with several states considering these draconian laws. Informed consent and medical freedom are being tossed in the trash can. After all, the state knows best, right? This won't stop either. Vaccines and their booster counterparts are being developed to serve the elderly. Womb-to-tomb vaccination is on the horizon. Mark my words. We have more access to healthcare, more drugs, and ostensible treatment plans, yet we're the sickest we've ever been. Perhaps someone should blow the whistle. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that the reason Big Pharma and the bloated federal government has taken so much control is because we have become amenable to their demands. We have replaced God with the state. We have replaced truth with propaganda and marketing persuasion. Instead of critical thinking, research, and self-learning, we have been given a dose of groupthink. The most egregious thing, perhaps, lies in the fact that we have traded our freedom for security. And we're about to lose both, despite what the Nuremberg Code says. We have replaced self-reliance with dependency as the nanny state government controls everything from birth to death. Nations aren't healed when they sell themselves out to prophets and false gods. 
I share this because this is what happens when a nation walks away from the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what happens when self-government breaks down. The family is left in ruins. After all, Hillary Clinton can say, quote, they are our children, end quote. Government encroachment on every area of life is not a blessing, but a curse. Nations that opt for the humanist version of life are nations that will be squelched and irrelevant to history. Rome was too big for its own britches, and America is looking to write the sequel. I teach and preach across the globe, and my recent trips to Zambia have proven to me that so-called third-world countries are riding on the coattails of our Western debauchery. Thanks to the United Nations and other God-hating institutions, nations like Zambia, Congo, and other places are all being enticed by the Western humanist model. These collectivist institutions wave the almighty American dollar in front of the faces of third world countries, but want more and more control of the politics of those countries in return. You'd better believe that the United Nations are evangelists of the global collective trying to spread the so-called good news of vaccination, chemical experimentation, abortion, and sodomy. The humanist utopia is total power and total manipulation in order to get total control. This is why the nations need the gospel and why the nations need to be healed. They won't be healed by domination and intimidation. Nations like America won't find healing in the CDC. A nation full of hospitals, labs, cancer clinics, and dialysis centers is not evidence of a healthy culture, but a culture under judgment. These religious shrines are proof that the entire culture has submitted itself to another god of the body. Instead of trusting Christ and taking control over your health via the things outlined in the next few chapters, humanist nations worship and serve the creation, not the creator. Romans 1.18 They are ailing because their particular theocracy has a false god calling the shots. Conclusion Just as faith is not to be controlled by clergy, so medicine and health is not to be controlled by doctors. Pastors and doctors are both to fulfill their role in the service of the kingdom, but the modern allopathic versions of medicine is total control of the health of people. From abortions to vaccines, to pushing pills and medical boards, a culture that does not value life and the preservation of life is a culture bent on synthetic drugs and power. If Christ will not be the Messiah of a nation, then the state will gladly fill the void. These power paradigms are the primary obstacles and culprits which leave nations sick and impoverished. You might ask as we close out part one of the book, why bother with health and healing to the nations? Why does any of this matter? Let me reiterate. The vision of the King Jesus gospel is the total healing of the nations. Healing the nations presupposes sickness, and we have plenty of that to go around, both politically, socially, economically, medically, and spiritually. We have bribery in politics, injustice in the court system, inflation thanks to the Federal Reserve, abortion on demand, parental loss of freedom, and the list gets longer and longer. 
Yet God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. 2 Peter 1 verse 3. We are not evolved mechanistic goo that somehow crawled out of the pond only to grow two legs and two eyes. How long that took, no one knows. We are not, as we'll see, lacking in chemicals. The very thing state-controlled medicines seek to put inside of you. No one, I repeat, no one is sick because they lack synthetic drugs. We are fearfully and wonderfully made creatures with bodies that are designed to function, given proper nutrition and healthy rhythms of life. Part of this call to heal the nations includes both healing of the soul and the body. God can heal your soul and your body. Do you believe it? This doesn't mean that God doesn't use the means of proper diet, exercise, and other medical interventions in the healing process, but we must readily admit that you can't look for healing apart from the healer. We also acknowledge an important question. What good is it if a man gains perfect health but loses his soul? None. What we need more than anything are self-governed Christians in healthy, God-honoring families, participating locally in biblically saturated churches, seeking economic productivity with the prophetic goal of seeking justice and offering the nation a better path forward. Health for all of life is a thing because faith for all of life is a thing. When we start to live this way, the world cannot help but notice. Deuteronomy 4. So, what will you choose? I leave you with Deuteronomy 30, verses 1 through 15. Quote, when all these things happen to you, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before you, and you remember them among all the nations, where the Lord your God has driven you, then you must return to the Lord your God and obey his voice, according to all that I am commanding you today. You and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul, then the Lord your God will overturn your captivity and have compassion on you and will return and gather you from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. If any of you are driven out to the uttermost parts of heaven, from there will the Lord your God gather you and from there will he get you. The Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, so that you may live. The Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies, on them who hate you, who persecuted you. You will return and obey the voice of the Lord and obey all his commandments which I am commanding you today. The Lord your God will make you prosper in every work of your hand, in the offspring of your body and the offspring of your livestock, and in the produce of your land for good. For the Lord will once again rejoice over you for good, just as he rejoiced over your fathers. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God by keeping his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law, and if you return to the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul. This commandment, which I am commanding you today, is not hidden from you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will go up for us to heaven and bring it to us, so that we may hear it and do it? It is not beyond the sea, so that you should say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it to us, so that we may hear it and do it? 
but the word is very near to you, in your mouth, in your heart, so that you may do it. See, today I have set before you life and prosperity and death and disaster. End quote. Ten things from chapter two. One, man is God's creature, not an evolved machine suitable for chemical experimentation. Two, in order for the nations to be healed, other peoples must subject themselves first to God. Three, self-government is a fruit of the spirit and is paramount to the proper function of all other government. Four, a holistic view of health requires the whole of Christ. Five, Jesus Christ is the RK, the integration point for everything created. Six, God's plan for healing the nations works within the paradigm of his blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. Seven, when a nation values and prioritizes self-government, family government, church government, and civil government, all in accordance to the word of God, the nation will find itself on the path to healing. 8. Ailing nations are sick nations, and this is the result of disobedience and the God of humanism being propped up as central. 9. If Christ will not be the Messiah of a nation, then the state will gladly fill the void. And 10. What we need more than anything are self-governed Christians in healthy, God-honoring families, participating locally in biblically saturated churches, seeking economic productivity with the prophetic goal of seeking justice and offering the nation a better path forward.